faithwire.com. The HHS prepping to roll back Trump-era religious liberty protections. Today's Wednesday, November 17, 2021. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have this top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. I want to welcome in everyone from the CBN News Daily Rundown. We're here every Wednesday with y'all, and we're glad to be here. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. We're here daily. would love to have you join us uh, Monday through Friday. And joining me today is Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire. Tragons Phillips still under the weather, praying for him to get better. But uh, Billy, what's going on? Well, we got a number of great stories to talk through today. One of them that we're going to be highlighting is this misgendering law out in California. This has been basically a four-year battle now over this law that was passed in 2017. We're going to get into that, but basically you can land yourself in a lot of trouble if you intentionally misgender Hmm. somebody in a nursing home. Yeah, and that's part of this, uh, man, the, the PC police, the language police that are coming and... There are a lot of things I think if we don't speak up now, we might we just might not be allowed to say, and a lot of Christian things as well. Um, just the way culture's going, so uh, we'll dive into that. Looking forward to that, but we're going to start right here uh, with story number one in this HHS um, memo that was obtained by Fox News, and it looks like they're going to be rolling back some Trump era religious protections. And so here are the. Uh, things you need to know starting with number one the details so the uh, health and human services department they're looking to possibly remove uh, Trump's um, protections that were put in by the office of civil rights the OCR and so it was designed to prevent uh, religious uh, liberty um, you know violations so when people are you know looking to exercise their something that is a deeply held belief their protection and their ability to be able to do that. Trump, you know, sort of doubled down on that. And now it looks like the Biden administration wants to pull that back. So this memo uh, that was obtained by Fox, it it targets two actions that are uh, related to the First Amendment from earlier this year. And the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, you might, those RFRA laws that uh, made headlines, Mike Pence, everyone was trying to you know, say that he was forcing religion down everyone's throats with these RFRA laws. Um, And, but they basically are put in place to prohibit federal infringements on the free exercise of religion. So those came back in 2017 and it was in response to the administration's broader efforts to beef up those religious liberty protections. Um, And so at the time, Jeff Sessions provided these, these agencies with a long list of guidelines on RFRA, free exercise claims, contraception, insurance plans, other issues, etc. Um, and so um, this memo, it's expected to be rolled out this week. And under the noteworthy elements about equity, the memo says, quote, while nothing in RFRA legally restriction restricts an agency to work proactively to address a complainant's or would-be complainant's religious needs or rights, There is serious concern that such an approach broadens the effect RFRA of RFRA in a way that may not be legally required and while causing causing significant detriment to civil rights and public health health protection. So uh, there's a lot of legal, like kind of legally worded language here, but uh, basically what it comes down to is they're saying it sends a signal to the LGBTQ community that the department doesn't recognize their civil rights. 
including their right to marry. This is spelled out in the memo. Uh, and so, um, and they mentioned the foster and adoptive homes. So you might remember the Christian agencies saying they wouldn't place kids in, uh, L, you know, homes with gay parents because obviously that goes against the Christian belief. And so they were trying to argue that, you know, they had the right to say no to that because, you know, why would a Christian organization put kids in a situation where that goes against their values? So, um, so that's, that's kind of what's at stake here and what's apparently coming down the pike. Number two on this, some reaction, Roger Severino, uh, he led OCR during the Trump administration. Um, he said the HHS centralized authority over religious freedom claims because laws weren't being enforced. And that's how we enforce every other civil right. But and he said without these um, staff, you know, responding to these religious freedom complaints, um, they're going to return to trampling people's rights as before. Just ask little sisters of the poor. And, um, you know, Billy, I'm sure you're familiar with that story. Um, but uh, another familiar, another former HHS official, they spoke on uh, a condition of anonymity. They said in the past, HHS trampled on the rights of religious organizations like Little Sisters of the Poor by forcing them to provide insurance coverage for contraceptives against their religious convictions. They said revoking these Trump-era regulations would be another step in dismantling safeguards within the federal government for people of faith. So why does this all matter? Well, I mean, and that was a lot of, a lot of uh, memoing to go through there. But basically what it boils down to is there's this battle on and this line in the sand of where is it as a Christian where you're exercising your freedom of religion versus are you trampling on someone else's rights? And so you've seen that discussion play out, Billy, you know, in things like gay marriage, you know, where they're trying to get churches to, hey, you you can't deny me my right to marry. And they're saying, well, we don't believe in that version of marriage. And so there's this, I don't know, there's this dispute now of whether that's bigotry and discrimination or exercising your faith. Well, and they're going after Christian colleges. I mean, that's the, yeah. the most recent frontier is Christian colleges, because if you get federal loans, should you be you know, held to these same standards? And this is going to continue to be an issue. You have one group's rights, rights versus another group's rights. And it's remarkable to me um, to sort of look at these situations. And everybody talks about civil rights for this group and civil rights for that group. Well, what about the civil rights of, of Christians yeah. and religious people in this country? And what about the First Amendment? clearly chosen to be the first amendment right. for a reason. Um, number one. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like all of this should not be impossible to come up with a solution that appeases everyone and that protects people, but make sure that Christians are also protected. I think, you know, we saw, you know, from Hobby Lobby down the line to Little Sisters of the Poor, we've seen it with the bakers who have been fined, you know, over $100,000 for not making a cake. We continue to see these At things. Bethany Christian Services and the Absolutely. Catholic the Catholic adoption agencies. Yeah, it's been it has been an endless onslaught. And here's here is the strategic part of this that obviously there's the rights part and why it matters, right? But the strategic piece to me is if your goal is to never see a Donald Trump ever come into office again, <laughs> why do you revert to doing the <laughs> right. very things that brought you a Donald right. Trump? Right. It's yeah. it's remarkable to watch. It, it really is. is. It is. And, um, you know, and again, I think a lot of this, you know, you mentioned that the, the gender, the transgender laws there on misgendering. I think a lot of what you see here in this particular debate is 
the language battle. Just saying, well, that's discrimination. Well, you have to actually look at how is that discriminating? If someone is a Christian pastor and they only believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, why do you have a right to make that pastor do something that they don't believe in? That that you know again it, it's a two-way street as you said with discrimination and you, and you wonder in the in the current form of the language game it seems like secular leftists have the upper hand well and if you okay fine if you won't admit that Jesus is the only way to heaven then you're a discriminate you're discriminating against me you are a bigot right right and i'm going to <laughs> i'm going to pass laws to make you admit that Jesus is the only way to heaven i mean this is like you could play this in any right. direction the the problem is that you know, you have a dominance in all of the you know informational channels in the in this mm-hmm. country that the left is really dominating them right now. And because of that, you have people conditioned to believe that not only is this the way that that things go, but if anybody disagrees with it, we're going to make sure we obliterate them from human existence. And so, I just this is not a healthy way for any country to live. And we talked about this on the show earlier this week, right, with whether or not we're living in an authoritarian <laughs> right, yeah. regime. I, I don't know. I mean, it feels very much <laughs> like we're headed on a collision course with the Constitution that governs us. Yeah. Yep. Um, couldn't agree more. So why don't, we, uh, why don't we leave that one there? We will definitely be keeping an eye on that, but let's head into story number two. Well, this brings us actually right naturally into this misgendering <laughs> yeah. conversation. In California, there was a law that was passed in 2017, and it was essentially a regulation. There's a bunch of different provisions to it. One of them is that people in nursing homes who are transgender should be able to um, live essentially in, in the gender-assigned room that corresponds with not their biological gender, but the gender with which they identify. But there's a part of this law that has been particularly controversial, and it's the one that says that if you, I'm actually going to read it because it's very interesting wording, that it's illegal essentially to, quote, willfully and repeatedly fail to use a resident's preferred name or pronouns after being clearly informed of the preferred name or pronouns. So if you work in a nursing home or a retirement home or a community like that, and you willfully and repeatedly fail to use a resident's preferred name or pronouns, then you find yourself in violation of this law. Now, the law itself is known as the LGBT Senior Bill of Rights, and it was Senate Bill number 219. So part two of this is, okay, they passed this law, and of course, it becomes a legal battle. And what's so intriguing about this legal battle is that in 2021, in July, an appeals court unanimously ruled that this is actually a violation of the First Amendment, that you are essentially compelling people to speech with which they might disagree. And so that seems to be a really rational take on it, right? If you are commanding, now, of course, as Christians, we shouldn't go out of our way to offend or hurt somebody, right? So, you know, when you talk about willfully or repeatedly failing to use a resident's preferred name or pronouns, I think, you know, there's there's an intention of saying, look, I'm not going to lie to somebody and I love people. I don't want to lie to them. And then there are people who might go after people to harm them. But the problem with this law is that it seems to attack the first group of people, right? Those who have a legitimate problem with this and don't and don't want to have to lie to people. So the appeals court comes in and actually strikes this part of the law down. Now, interestingly, they did not strike the part of the law that says that people can choose the the housing with which they identify. So that that stayed on the ballot there, but stayed in the bill. 
But now you have California challenging it. And so the Supreme Court of California, not of the United States, they are taking this case up. And we're going to find out once and for all, at least at the state level, whether or not this truly is a violation of the First Amendment. So Mm. why does this matter? It matters because we seem to be moving into the place in this 1984-esque world that we live (laughs) in in which we are going to police what people say. If you, It's not just about the beliefs now or about the policy. It's you have to say it this way. Yeah. You have to tell this lie. And if you don't, you could be fined or even potentially put in jail. Now, now just as a side note, those who are in support of this bill and who sponsored it said, look, we're not going to put people in jail for it. It's probably going to be more like getting, I think they said a speeding ticket, but you're still going to be punished if yeah. you do this. Yeah, so. it's very, um, gosh, uh, have you ever watched Demolition Man? I refer to this one often. Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes and Sandra Bullock, they're in this futuristic world, and um, and you can't swear. And if you swear, there are these little mini drone things all over the place, and they just come flying up to you, and they're like, oh, you know, you've got a ticket for swearing. I mean, it, it, it was like a bad joke in a, you know, a bad vision of like an authoritarian state. And it's like, that's essentially what we're moving towards right now with this. Like, you can't misgender someone. Now, to your point, as Christians, of course, we should consider the other person and, and not intentionally, intentionally, you know, poke the bear, so to speak, right? Like, you, you cannot violate your beliefs, you know, by, by being... Um, clever in how you address someone without and careful without without purposely just going all right dude you know to somebody uh, and rubbing <laughs> it in right um, but that there's a huge difference between you know trying to navigate that on your own ver- as as a Christian versus being forced to do it I mean being forced to do it is just uh, for the reasons you said it's just beyond the pale Well, and here's the deal. I mean, I I know John Piper and others have spoken on this, and I believe John Piper's position was that there's nothing wrong. And again, some might disagree with this with using a person's preferred name. If you want to be called Shirley, Sue, Doug, whatever, that's one thing. But to ask him to use the actual pronoun that is not of the biological nature was something he felt was a violation and a lie. But if you've changed your name to something and you want to be called that, that that is what you've changed your name to. Yeah. And so, you know, people are going to take different stands on it, but it does seem entirely possible to not willfully or repeatedly fail to use the right pronoun. Now, the question is, though, you know, when you're writing paperwork, when you're dealing with files, when you're, there are times where that may be harder to do. And at the end of the day, we live in a free country. If you are passing a law that intentionally is going to restrict people and force them to convey a message with which they disagree, that does not seem to be something that's constitutional. No, not absolutely not at all. And, and also, too, like at what point do you draw the line? Remember, Gina Carano got one of the reasons she got canceled was because she uh, she put a beep bop boop in her pro, as her pronouns on her Twitter profile, which uh, so if you put. If I say my pronouns are beep, bop, boop, or I'm Mandalorian Dan Andros, like, do you, do you honor that? I mean, even if I'm just being a goof about it, you know, what, uh, where does it stop? You know, where, what actual lengths will you have to go to follow this? If someone said, if someone's really mentally ill and thinks they're dragon slayer or something like that, do you have to say that every time? Okay. Dragon slayer. Jim, you know, I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, I mean, at some point, it's just the ridiculousness of it becomes <laughs> obvious. It should anyway. 
But again, we're not, it would be like going around and saying, you're going to call me Jesus is the one true <laughs> Billy. I don't know. Like, yeah, it's just like, we don't go around doing these things no. and we wouldn't expect it now. And, and I think what, what you're witnessing right now is, is an overcorrection. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things we're witnessing, but we're doing this sort of overcorrection right now. And because people felt like they were cut out of society and they were mistreated, th this pendulum has swung. But again, if you don't want 30 other Donald Trumps to rise up, maybe you right. should rethink maybe. this strategy. Right. Yeah, maybe not don't. a good strategy. Right. Yeah. Don't be like AOC and say we haven't been radical enough. Like, eh, <laughs> I think we've 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 pushed the limits here enough lately. And um, speaking of that, number story number three here, Billy, I want to go through quick. A um, couple things going on in Loudoun County, and I mean this place is just ground zero for the public school battle right now. And uh, the latest one, you have parents now are upset because they were not notified of a survey which was given to at least 180 students at the high school and approximately about 100 students or so, a little under that, uh, completed it. Um, and <laughs> this survey asks questions like, are you transgender? Have you been tested for a sexually transmitted disease? Have you ever had sexual intercourse? And... With how many people have you had sexual intercourse? Um, and so they were told, of course, they could skip questions or whatever. But just the fact that this survey even went out is uh, kind of kind of phenomenal. But um, they pitched it as a statewide surveillance system that monitors. Um, starting with statewide surveillance systems, probably not the way to go, but <laughs> just, just saying to make parents happy about it, but statewide surveillance system that monitors health risk behaviors that contribute to the leading causes of death and disability among young adults, et cetera, et cetera. So, but the parents were not happy. They were quote, some were quoted in local news by saying they were quote, live, uh, livid and sickened. Um, and that their 14-year-old daughter texted saying that she was very uncomfortable that this was being passed out. Um, and so the, the... But the school sent it without even uh, the families being notified of this. And the, the, the assistant principal just said, quote, we regret, regret the error. I mean... <laughs> Just like a, a minor oversight there. It, right, yeah. right. We just regret the error here. Just an explicit, you know, we just want to find out about what your kids are doing in the bedroom. And, For, you it, know, it's and, com oops, we forgot to tell you. Yeah. Completely inappropriate. But I would just I would just add, you would think that if you are part of an education system in the greatest country on earth that ranks, you know, 11th or whatever, 164th, <laughs> right. whatever we're ranking right now in the world, that the focus might be on cracking open a math book, not on <laughs> right. sending out a survey like that. Right. I mean, this is this is why people have lost trust in public education. And this goes back decades now, um, this this loss of trust in the institution. It's not because people are anti-teacher or they – it's because of these stories yeah. that seem to never end. Yeah, and it's – and honestly, look, full disclosure, you know, we're a homeschooling family. So, um, you know, I, I definitely have a bias here, you know, on these particular issues. So, uh, you know, if, if, if you get the vibe that I'm going, well – no, there you go. Like, well, it's probably because I'm homeschooling and, you know, feeling a little validated in that decision in some of these headlines. But um, but to your point, though, it's not the teachers. I, I think it's more, you know, the system at large. And then you have some of these activists coming in. And in a lot of times it's them trying. Some of them are just trying to. Well, they want to do the right thing. They want to, you know, uh, I don't know, be fair to all people and, and try to, you know, 
adopt some of the things that are going on to to you know with a with a noble heart in mind but you know a lot of these things they just don't you know are being pushed by activists and so um you know when you get these activists in there and they're pushing you know sexual content and 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 all sorts of things on our kids and the and the yeah. and the racial issue which um has been you know just distorted all over the place about both both sides kind of arguing past each other on that one but all of these radical ideas are just being pushed in and um yeah it's tough i mean it's tough if you're a parent of a of a public schooling kid and, and again I, I think to your point definitely the individual teachers aren't usually the problem i mean it's just they're kind of trapped in a system that's uh and varies between whatever district you're in or whatever state you're in but um you know they're kind of just uh, victims of the system here, and they have to figure out how to navigate it. Yeah, well, and yeah, it's just don't pray on the fifty-yard line though. If you're a coach, make sure you don't do that, <laughs> right? Because get you know, that out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No prayer. It's, I just oh. yeah, it's wild. It's wild. But you're absolutely right. People <laughs> are trapped in the system, and and I have a lot of relatives who are teachers, and I teach at a public college, and so you know, there's a lot of difficult dynamics in there, and. But I see why more and more parents are homeschooling because these things are incredibly discouraging and also concerning. Yeah. And uh, I saw some, you know, we see a lot of these uh, clips, Billy, of people, parents going up and they're frustrated and they're, you know, yelling at the school board meetings or whatever or lecturing at the school board meetings about this and that. And, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again at some point, you know, I expect someone to just go up there and remind people, hey, you know. This is, you know, you have an option, you know, um, the homeschooling is definitely not easy and, you know, you have to want to do it. But I think to your point, I think a lot of these actions we're seeing out there are forcing people to want to do it. They're just saying, I don't see that I have any other option or like private school, like that maybe more shares their values, um, something like that. So, um, yeah. you know, but so we're going to see more of it, too. I think this yeah. is just the beginning of this, you know, COVID sparked a lot of this, but I think it's really the beginning of people saying, okay, what are my options? Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. They're reevaluating and it's, and it's, it's possibly going to lead to a big shakeup of the, uh, the way education is done uh, in America. So, all right, well, uh, Bill, you have a, you have a good story that you did today that um, was obviously a scary situation, but I want to end on a somewhat of a positive note here. Oh. Yeah, the, yeah. This was a, a situation where a man's car reportedly went somehow airborne. We don't know all the details of the story through two homes and then hit a tree. And so the car erupts on fire, obviously, and two police officers are dispatched to the scene. And when they get there, they realize that the guy is trapped inside this car. The handle on the car is either smashed or missing. They can't get the door open. And so this is all caught on this body cam footage that is really remarkable to watch, and we have it over at Faithwire right now. Uh, but these guys, these police officers, they're not even concerned for themselves. They're standing there with yeah. this car on fire trying to get the guy out. And so they rescue the guy, and, and that part of it obviously is amazing to watch. And you can see how they do it in, in this, you know, we called it heart-pumping video because it really is. It is, yeah. And – the Atlanta Fire or the Atlanta Police Department, rather, they put out a statement, and I found it really interesting because we often don't think about what it's like to be to be a police officer, right? Obviously, there's been a lot of debate in this country over the last couple of years about the conduct of cops and all of that. Um, but but there's a quote, and I want to read it here. 
the and this came from the police department when they posted the video. They said the officers had no idea if that fire would result in an explosion which would put their lives in danger. Instead, they were focused on saving the driver. These are the humble yet heroic moments in an officer's day which never make media mm. headlines. Yeah. And it it really made me think, honestly, it really did. Yeah, and it, it's a wild wild video over on faithwire.com and uh, Billy, one of those weird times I was down in Texas and um on a drive back across Texas, you know, empty highways and came up. I was one of the first ones to come up on an accident and uh, it was a pretty bad accident and no, no police were there yet, but one or two people had stopped and there were these two gentlemen helping. It was an elderly couple in a pretty bad wreck. And these, these two guys were helping escort the, um, uh, the couple to safety. And so I got there as they were already going across the road, but that car was, starting to be on fire like it was it, it was definitely hot and you could see a few flames coming up and so you know the whole front was kind of mashed in and um so i just say all that to say like thankfully i didn't have to decide to go into the car or not because it's a terrifying feeling to walk up to a car that you not are not sure if it's going to explode or not oh yeah it's yeah it's frightening and so when you see these guys just go up there like it's nothing I mean, we kind of know after the fact that, you know, they were safe because it's on the video and we know they didn't, you know, they're not going to show a video of somebody dying. So, so, uh, you kind of know. So if, you know, even though that video is pretty, it's, it's heart stopping when you're watching it, but man, I, I, until you actually experience that unknown of, I don't know what's going to happen here. It's, it's amazing stuff. What those guys did is, is basically why I bring that story up. Cause I only experienced a fraction of it one time and it was terrifying. Well, there's no, and there's no guarantee, right? There's no guarantee. And, right. and it was in the front of the car where the fire was. So it's yeah. like, yeah, I mean, and it, it does give you a new appreciation and it reminds you that, you know, we can sit around and debate these things all day long, but the day in and day out of what cops have to deal with, yeah. um, it's this sort of stuff that really generally doesn't make headlines, which is what made me want to write about it. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's a great post and uh, it's up on faithwire.com right now. And that is all the time we have for the podcast today. As always, if you want more news from a Christian perspective, head on over to faithwire.com or cbnnews.com. We'll be back here tomorrow praying that Trey gets better. He's still under the weather. So hopefully he's uh, on the mend and back, uh, back in the saddle soon. So we'll be back here tomorrow. God bless. Have a fantastic rest of your Wednesday. See you tomorrow.